It's time now for another edition of Roarman's Raging Softball Report. Everything Louisiana softball. Now, here's your host, loving Louisiana softball since 1981. It's the Roar Man. Welcome to episode two of Roar Man's Raging Cajun Softball Report podcast. I am the Roar Man. And before I start, I would like to thank everyone who listened to my first episode. I really do appreciate it. I got some nice comments and compliments from diehard softball fans as well as casual fans. And it means a lot to me that you took the time to listen to what I had to say about the team. And I'm happy you're listening now. So just to recap, in my first episode, I introduced the 17 new players who will be Raging Cajuns in 2022. If you haven't listened to it, you might want to check it out as there is in-depth information on all of the new players. And in this episode, I'm going to review the players from the 2021 team who are returning for the 2022 season. Let me say one more thing. If you want to get in contact with me and you have my phone number, please take the time to leave me some constructive criticism because I would like to make this podcast the best it can possibly be. And I don't mind you telling me what I might have done wrong, what I can do better, and what I might have gotten right. But again, thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. So let's move along. So the way I feel about having success on the college softball field is that it all starts with pitching. And I think the key to how successful the Raging Cajuns are going to be in 2022 starts with junior pitcher Kendra Lamb. Now, I remember going back to Kendra's first year, which was 2019. She arrived in Lafayette from Curajong, New South Wales, a town of 3,000 people in Australia. Curajong is 8,800 miles from Lafayette. So to say she was far from home is putting it mildly, and I was told her first few months here were very rough. It was a totally new environment for her. She was not used to the food served in Acadiana, and she could not eat a lot of it. She was just homesick. You know, and then when the season started and there were more than a thousand fans in the stands, that was much different than what she was used to back home in Australia because the most people she had ever played in front of was like less than 100. So it was quite a shock to her, but she handled it really well. So the first game, she pitched for the Cajuns, was against Incarnate Word. And what happened? Do you remember? She threw a no-hitter. And I was like, dang, look at this. First game, as a collegiate, she throws a no-hitter. So, okay, you know, maybe Incarnate Word was not a very good team, but first outing, a no-hitter, I'm thinking, you know, that's really good. So what happens next? She takes the circle against Texas A&M Corpus Christi the very next day, and she does it again. She throws another no-hitter. Two games, two no-hitters. There was just no better way for her to start off her career as a raging Cajun, except, you know, to throw a perfect game. They weren't perfect games because she walked some people, but she did throw two no-hitters the first two games she pitched as a raging Cajun. So here you have a player 8,800 miles from home in a strange environment. She's homesick, she's nervous, she's playing in front of more people than she has ever before. 
and she throws a no-hitter not once, but twice. You know, I thought that was pretty incredible. So for the rest of the year, she was kind of used sparingly as Summer Ellison started 45 games, but Kendra did go 3-0 with a 1.77 ERA, not a bad season for a freshman, except, you know, especially one coming into a new environment. Now in 2020, she did not pitch as she was being redshirted, and of course the season was canceled. In 2021, which was last year, I saw great improvement from her freshman year. She didn't throw any no-hitters, but she seemed to be in better shape physically, she had more presence in the circle, and she didn't get as rattled as she did as a freshman. She also cut way down on the amount of walks she had given her freshman year, and she developed an off-speed pitch. And now, if you watch her facial expressions when she's in the circle, you can see she's focused, she's determined, she's confident, and she's not as scared as she was going back a couple of years. Now, she ended up finishing the 2021 season with the lowest ERA on the team at 202, and she went 17 and five. Now, here's how she performed against Power Five teams. In the regular season against LSU, she pitched 3.1 innings and gave up two earned runs. She pitched against Oklahoma State. That game went nine innings. The Cajuns lost five to three, and Kendra gave up three earned runs. But she did strike out 10 batters in that game, and I think that was her highest strikeout total of the year, and that's not bad against an Oklahoma State team. Now, over two games against Texas, she pitched a total of six innings and she uh, gave up three earned runs. She lost to Alabama five to one. She pitched five innings and she gave up three earned runs. Then it kind of all came together in the regional against LSU, where she pitched a complete game and she shut out LSU, giving up only three hits. So all totaled against Power Five, uh, power five schools, she pitched 30.2 innings and she gave up 11 earned runs. And then, you know, the last game against LSU, uh, in my opinion, she was lights out. I mean, she's in front of, what, 2,500 people over at Tiger Park. And at that point, she proved to me she can handle the pressure against a Power 5 team, and I think 2020 is going to be her year. That's right, I think it's going to be Kendra Lamb's year. And I think there's a good chance she is Pitcher of the Year in the Sunbelt Conference. So uh, just let me say, I am all in on Kendra Lamb, who I sometimes refer to as the thunder from down under. And if you listen to some of the fans, what they chant is Candyland, Candyland, when she takes the circle. It's a lot of fun. I mean, she's kind of become one of my favorite players because, you know, she's really nice to me. She's always uh, smiling. She tells me hello. I get to talk to her. And... Uh, She's really adjusted to the environment here down in Cajun country. Now, as bright as I think Kendra's future is going to be, I'm really sorry to say there are many question marks for the other returning pitchers. In 2021, in my opinion, they did not perform as well as hoped. Now, I'm going to go over each one individually, but in all honesty, not one of them stood out. And those pitchers are Casey Dixon, who will be a senior, Vanessa Foreman, who will be a junior, Carly Heath, a junior, and Taylor Snow, who uh, was redshirted last year as a freshman, so she'll be a freshman again. So let's start with Casey Dixon. 
Now, coming to Louisiana as a freshman, Casey was the high school Gatorade Player of the Year in Texas. She was the best softball player in the entire state of Texas when she was a senior in high school. During her sophomore season as a Raging Cajun, she had some health issues that set her back. And for whatever reason, she just has not had the same success in college as she did in high school. Last year, she pitched a total of 24 innings. Uh, she did go 4-0 with a 2.33 ERA, but against Baylor, she pitched a third of an inning. She gave up three earned runs. She pitched a third of an inning against Troy and gave up four earned runs. You know, maybe she will be more effective this year, but the Cages will have nine pitchers on the team, and the question is, how much time will she actually get in the circle? Vanessa Foreman, the left-handed transfer from Arizona, appeared in 16 games in kind of mop-up duty, and she finished the season with a 2.77 ERA. And Carly Heath, the transfer from South Carolina, pitched 19 innings and finished the season with a 4.27 ERA. Taylor Snow, uh, a pitcher who was very effective in high school, was redshirted, as I mentioned. Now, she suffered an injury to her shoulder her senior year in high school. And watching her in scrimmages in the fall and spring, uh, you know, she struggled at times. She did have some success, but she gave, out, gave up a lot of hits, a lot of home runs. You know, hopefully she has made progress and the injury is more healed than it was last year, as I think it has affected her velocity. And maybe she'll see some time in the circle in 2022 and she can contribute to the team. So exactly what is it going to take for one, two, or more of these four pitchers to improve and be able to compete effectively on a high level? Well, I think you have to start with a proven pitching coach. And right now, the Cajuns do not have a pitching coach. As you probably know, Mike Roberts left the team about midseason last year. Then Chelsea Wilkinson was announced as the new pitching coach, but she changed her mind and she became the pitching coach at her alma mater, Georgia. So I'm hoping Coach Glasgow finds a pitching coach before practice begins. Right now he's the head coach, he's the hitting coach, and he's the pitching coach. And he just needs some experienced help because I just don't think he can effectively wear all those hats and be the coach in all of those situations. I really hope he finds a competent pitching coach for the Cajuns. It's gonna be very important that he does so. So there you have it, the returning pitchers. Now let me talk about a player who I think will play a pivotal role in how much success the team has in 2022. And that player only played in 28 games last year as the plans were to redshirt her. But when another player got injured and she couldn't play, this player stepped up to the plate and she burned her redshirt for the good of the team. And I'm talking about catcher Sophie Piscos. Now, what impressed me the most is her fire, her determination, and the guts she plays with. If there is one thing I think this team needs uh, that I think was lacking in last year's team, that is a true leader. Now, I know Sophie is only going to be a sophomore, and usually a team looks to seniors for leadership, but she is clearly a spark plug, and I think she makes her teammates better through her attitude. And you know what, it's a lot of fun watching her play. She plays again with a lot of attitude. Uh, I remember at the LSU Regional, 
She ran over a couple of catchers getting to home plate. I think she knocked the ball out of one of the catcher's hands and she scored a run. But it's just very exciting to watch her play. Now, I met Sophie and her parents two years ago at the UAB tournament in Birmingham. She was a senior in high school and we had a conversation about her high school and about her decision to sign with the Cajuns. And I could tell then she was ready to go, but you know, with a freshman, you never know how they are going to compete on the college level. Well, in my opinion, she did just fine and she's only going to get better. Last year, she played in 28 games. She hit 333 with three home runs and 11 runs batted in. And I think 2022 will be a breakout year for Sophie Piscos. Now let's talk about three players who will be coming back from missing all or parts of the 2021 season. And let's start with Raina O'Neill, who last year was a junior and who was going to get a medical red shirt and will be a junior again this year. As you recall, she broke her arm in a collision with Sierra Bryan in the sixth game of the year against McNeese. Now losing someone like Raina O'Neill was a huge blow to the Cajuns. And if that wasn't bad enough, the Cajuns also lost Taylor Roman in the same game to a torn ACL. So two players who were being counted on to be major contributors to the team lost for the remainder of the season after playing only six games. Now I'm confident Reyna is going to be back 100% and I'm hoping that Taylor will as well, but an ACL injury is much more difficult to recover from than a broken arm. So this will be Taylor's third year with the Cajuns and guess what? She's still classified as a freshman. I think we all know of her power and her potential uh, to I think one day be an All-American. I really do believe that one day Taylor Roman is going to be an All-American. I just hope she comes back as close to 100% as possible. The other player the Cajuns lost to injury was Frankie Iser. Now she broke her foot rounding third base and that happened about halfway through the season. It was very unfortunate because Frankie had come a very long way. She was just coming into her own. You know, when she got here uh, to Louisiana, she had a little difficulty adjusting to playing on the Division I level as she transferred in from a junior college team, but she worked real hard. She put out a tremendous amount of effort and she just kept improving and improving and improving and getting better and better and better. Then she broke her foot. So in the 26 games she did play, she led the team in batting average with a 474 batting average. So as fans, let's keep our fingers crossed that Frankie is able to come back 100%. And the same goes for Taylor Roman and Raina O'Neill. The next player returning is utility player Melissa Mayo, or Melissa Mayo. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name correctly, even though she's been here two years. but. I think she played at almost every position last year except for a pitcher, and who knows, maybe she can pitch as well if given the opportunity. She is such an athlete. She's a dedicated player. Coach Glasgow says she works harder than anyone else on the team, and in 50 games last year, she hit 234, which I'm sure she's not happy with. But the good news is, things are looking up for her as she played in the Florida Gulf Coast League over the summer. 
In that league, they played 25 games, and over that 25-game season, she hit 425. Now, 425 is almost twice as much as what she hit as a Raging Cajun last year at 234, and she also hit six home runs. She had 10 multiple-hit games. She played in the All-Star Game, and she was named the All-Star Game's Most Valuable Player. This will be her third year with the Cajuns. I think she will provide leadership and she will settle in at one position on the field. I'm not sure which one, but if I had to guess, I would say it would be second base. We're just going to see, have to wait and see what happens. Now the remaining player coming back is Jenna Keene, the transfer from Arizona, who will be a senior. You know, when it was announced she was transferring to Louisiana last year, I was very excited about it. She was touted as an all-around player with tremendous speed, a player who could possibly be a valuable leadoff hitter, but I think by her standards and what was expected of her, she underperformed. She had 53 at-bats, she hit 226, and she struck out 15 times. Now to be a successful leadoff hitter, a player has to hit better than what she did and not strike out as much. I'm not trying to be critical, I'm just trying to be truthful and uh, I think she did underperform last year. Now she was used as a pinch runner and she was very successful stealing 29 bases and 32 attempts. So she has the speed, she just needs to get on base more often than she did in 2021. So there you have it, the returning players for 2022, 10 in all. Overall, the Cajuns are going to be a very young team in 2022. 10 returning players, 17 newcomers. It is what I consider a rebuilding year, and it will be interesting to see how everything shakes out. So this is The Roar Man, and I want to thank you for tuning into my podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend, and I'll see you at the ballpark. Go Cajuns!